Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, welcome into the huddle. Matthew Collar here filling in for Dave Schwartz along with Pete Najarian as always. And I think that uh, we don't really have any questions about where we're going to start the show, Pete. I, I think we're we're pretty locked in and pretty safe in talking about the Vikings' largest comeback of all time. Pete, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, Matthew. Unbelievable, man. I think we can start with the Vikings. We'll chew it up a little bit in the middle of what a bunch of Viking talk, and we'll probably finish with Viking talk. That was that was truly an unbelievable game, and it was just incredible just to see how much was going on and all the twists and turns, and including some bad calls by referees, some bad decisions by coaches. Um, it just was a constant thing of something was going on in that game from the start of that whistle to the end. I mean, to fall behind the way that they did and go into halftime down 33 and we're looking around going, it would have to be the greatest comeback of all time. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But with this with this team, though, Pete, the way that they've played this year and I was in Buffalo covering the game there. And I thought that was one of the wildest games I've ever seen. I, I remember tweeting at the end of that Buffalo game that was crazier than the Minneapolis Miracle game. I don't even know where to put this one at this point, even within this season of the 2022 Vikings. Yeah, absolutely incredible. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, w- I was mistaken for sure. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Matthew, on Friday I was talking to Vanita, and she asked me about the Viking game. What did I think? And I said, you know what, I don't think it'll even be close. Well, I couldn't have been further. From, <laughs> from, although although I guess it wasn't close in the first first half, and then it got a lot closer until the very end where we actually turned the, turned the corner on them. But unbelievable game. Everything about it was just spectacular. And, you know, even – even if you look at how Indianapolis actually scored their points in the first half, it was it, everything was crazy. They only had one offensive touchdown in the first half, and they had 33 points up on the board. That says a lot about the game almost right there in terms of the first half of this game. I know going into this game, a major storyline was whether they could get the defense together. And if you just look at the scoreboard, you'd be like, oh, I guess not. But they, the defense actually played very well in this game, especially in the second half where they got almost every stop that they needed to get. Even when the Vikings did have a turnover, the Vikings got mm-hmm. a key stop, got the ball back within 56 seconds. Here's what I want to know from you, Pete, though. When when did it become real for you? When did you think, because I have a tweet, I have the evidence mm-hmm. for when I felt it was real, but when did you think, uh-oh, Colts, you're going to blow this, aren't you? <laughs> 
Well, and it's not to be offensive with Jeff Saturday, but, you know, some of the decisions that, that they made during that game and as it got deeper into the third and fourth quarter, of course, things really did change it. I just thought that the, the Vikings defense was actually not nearly as bad as everybody would maybe think that they were in that first half. I thought there was a chance that we could get close. I didn't know that we could come all the way back, Matthew, to be honest with you. But, but when you really look at the drives that we had with the, with the offense, three and out, two plays and a fumble, four and out, three and out, another punt. Well, one of them gets blocked and goes for a touchdown. You know, when you really looked at what our offense was doing, it couldn't have really gotten any worse than it was. And, and so there, there had to be improvement. And, and, you know, I've been one of these guys who's given Kirk um, a lot more room than others have, and I really think he stepped up. And, and, the, and obviously the play calling. I think, I think Kevin O'Connell and the offensive coaches just did an absolutely outstanding job of getting the ball to the right players and not giving up on certain plays either. And, and the fact that K.J. Osborne had the game of his life you know, who would have expected that? I think everybody would have said, well, it's going to be all about J.J. And J.J. was great, but K.J. Osborne was absolutely outstanding yesterday. And, and the thing that needs to happen in a big comeback game, and I know you're a huge college football guy, and you kind of see these mm-hmm. all the time in college football, is you have to score fast. And so they got mm-hmm. a 63-yard pass to K.J. Osborne, and they finished that drive off, and then later in the game they get – you know the the sixty four yard screen pass touchdown to Delvin Cook, uh, but mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of their scoring drives did not last very long. For me, it was early in the fourth quarter when Justin Jefferson absolutely roasted Stephon Gilmore for a touchdown. <laughs> I believe that was yeah. the one he caught. Yeah, right. And and so they've been showing that one on Sports Center over and over again because <laughs> it's an incredible route. But that made it thirty six to twenty one with the entire fourth quarter to go. And you mentioned Jeff Saturday. I mean, this is why usually you hire like a Steve Wilkes in Carolina as an interim coach, someone who has, mm-hmm. you know, coached NFL football before, um, be- because they know how to finish out a game like this. And Indianapolis. Early in the game, they were throwing some screen passes. They were hitting some short throws and slants that were moving the ball. And it seemed like they just had no idea what to do to even get a first down. So so when Jefferson scored at that point to make it 36-21, I thought, okay, their defense has been on the field for the entire second half. Like They're getting worn down, and as they get worn down more, and you know when Kirk Cousins is down, there's something mm-hmm. about the guy – that he is just fantastic at finding every throw that he needs. I mean, partly, I think, too, Indianapolis stopped being aggressive on defense. They sort of played a little bit prevent, and you know the saying about prevent defense. Uh, but they, they were really not, like, blitzing him a lot. They weren't getting a lot of pressure mm-hmm. against him. And if you give Cousins you know, shell coverage and time to throw, he's going to find receivers all day long. So that was the point to me. I thought, like, they, they could really mm-hmm. mess this up because the Vikings are two possessions away. And, and, and the real key was all of the different Vikings that were going down because of cramps. And, and, and people probably say, well, are, are they real injuries? Are they this? They really are. I mean, that, that was something when you watch Christian Derrissaw come off on multiple occasions, and we, and we saw Patrick Peterson get some cramps as well. That gives you a little bit of an idea of just how much energy is being spent by these players out on the field. And an absolutely just amazing turn of events, you know, when you – when you, I think Kirk Cousins, one of the great things that he ended up doing was he didn't panic, and he got back there. He still trusted the offensive line, who gave him pretty good protection, actually. He was oftentimes had nobody directly in front of him as he's surveying downfield. 
that makes it a heck of a lot easier. But he was also getting rid of the ball pretty nicely. I mean, he, I thought he was he, – he, he got the pace of getting rid of the ball much better, I think, in the second half. He did a great job of just making sure that he got to the exact right guys who were open on those plays. And you know what? First half, it was a bit of a struggle, uh, and we just didn't seem to ever have any rhythm. But that, that certainly changed, and I think Dalvin Cook – that really was a big fuel, I think, for the Vikings yep. as well. Just his running, but that that screen pass, uh, uh, you know what? That I think absolutely crushed the defense for the Colts, and and they were you could see it because nobody was gaining anything on Dalvin as he was sprinting down the field. He was all by himself, and he went past those safeties, and and nobody just seemed to have any energy left. Nothing in the tank, and in sort of. Um... Typical fashion, like the way that the Vikings had to come back at the end, that 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 screen pass is so ironic because all year they've had nothing with the screen game. And it's been one of the biggest frustrations of this offense. Like, where is the screen game? Where is the screen game? Where is Delvin Cook as a part of the passing game? And he had an- another couple of catches that were pretty effective throughout this game. And the same thing with K.J. Osborne, whereas, like, Osborne last year had this breakout season, and this year it's been a struggle to get him the football. And then at the time that they needed somebody else other than Justin Jefferson to step up the most, it ends up happening there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know how to like rank the craziest moments, but I think I think that screen pass is probably the one because you go from Matt Ryan QB sneaks, and mm-hmm. I don't know, Pete. Like I'm watching the replay, going, I think he might have got it, but you know, referees are never going to change their own spots. Uh, we see mm-hmm. that every time they get challenged, I'm like, you just wasted a challenge because that's not going to change. Uh, so that, you know, the the spot happens, and then they come back out. And you're still thinking like, well, they've got to go a long way here and they have to get a two point conversion. But to get, mm-hmm. but to get that play instantly, I mean, just sort of, I don't know, like it, it makes you sort of throw up your shoulders and go, I don't know. This team just has something charmed about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but to throw a screen and have that happen was like the most improbable thing based on what we've seen all year. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, as you mentioned with the coaching, and I, you look at Jeff Saturday, I, I love the guy as a player, but, you know, was, is he really the right guy to be in there for this team right now? And those were difficult decisions, some of them that he had to make. Mm-hmm. But what wasn't di- difficult was keeping an eye on the clock. They just yes. didn't their, – their use of the clock – and this isn't the first game that that's happened in. I, there's been multiple games since he became the head coach where the clock management was absolutely terrible. And yeah. there were games where – I think it cost them a couple of wins along the way, including maybe yesterday's game. No, I totally agree with you, Pete. I mean, I, I was sitting there watching like, exactly what you're saying, the clock and how they managed it, and the fact that if they ran just every single play in the second half, the Vikings probably just run out of time. I mean, there were, yeah. there, there were times where they were throwing – three times in a row or two times in a drive and then going three and out and not using any clock at all. It was almost like if you were on the other side trying to make sure that the Vikings got every chance in the world, all the way down to the running back goes out of bounds. And like, (laughs) man, you'd rather get nine yards and have the clock keep rolling than get 10 yards and go out of bounds because a really effective 10 yard run ends up not mattering at all because it still left the door open for the Vikings to make those stops, get the ball back, and go tie the game. And that's, that is a little bit of the story of the year, Pete, and that's what I wanted to mm-hmm. ask and I wanted to talk about more throughout the show is whether a game like that 
makes you more or less confident in this team? Because in a way, you could say, look, I mean, no matter the deficit, they could come back. They just proved it. But mm-hmm. the comparison to the Houston Oilers-Buffalo Bills game, the difference is that that was a playoff game and it was a great team. You just played one of the most inept, totally lost teams. And I'm not taking away. Look, it was amazing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it took everybody. And everybody had to make big plays. But at the same time, you were down 33 to the Colts and like had to come back <laughs> to a team that has an amateur head coach. I, I guess the, there is a part of me that says, like, so this team could definitely beat anyone or also definitely lose to anyone on a, on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> no doubt about it. And, you know, if you start and go back from the very beginning in that first half and, and just the, the craziness of the plays that, that gave them the opportunity to get that 33 points on the board – um, it, it was something that I've not ever seen before. I mean, you get the punt block, that, that's mm-hmm. a touchdown. Then, you, then you, you've got the interception for a touchdown, that's another one. And, and everything that seemed to happen in the first half went the wrong way for the Vikings. So um, it, it, it just was an amazing thing to watch in that first half, just how poorly they played, but they didn't get down. And whatever they did, we, we heard a lot about it, but whatever they did in that locker room, it certainly did change things when they got back out on the field. You are listening to The Huddle. Matthew Collar in for Dave Schwartz along with Pete Najarian here. You could shoot us a text on the City's One Talk and Text Line, 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. And the question is, are you more confident in the Vikings after what they just did or do you have some questions still about this team now that they have clinched the division and are headed toward the playoffs? So we'll continue that conversation. Also, a absolutely bananas Kirk Cousins stat that I want to get Pete's breakdown on when we return here on The Huddle. All right, back here on The Huddle, Matthew Collar along with Pete Najarian. And uh, Pete, here's the crazy stat that I want to throw by. I want to get your reaction. This one, this mm-hmm. one could shock you. So the Vikings, the Vikings have 11 wins this year, and it has taken seven fourth-quarter comebacks from Kirk Cousins. Your reaction, seven in 11 of their wins. <laughs> well, um, I would say this, and I've, I've always been one of the guys who's actually given Kirk a lot more credit than others have. And, and you know what? And, and sometimes I've looked pretty silly because of it, but I think that the reality is, uh, as, a, as a former linebacker, watching how he's been able to navigate through a lot of the defenses over the years, a lot of this really has come down to the fact that, that our defense hasn't given him oftentimes the opportunities. I'll even say for this year, when you look at our defense, and they are the last and the worst against the pass in the entire NFL, mm-hmm. the fact that he has to make these comebacks has been extraordinary, and he's done an excellent job with it. And I think part of what's happened for him this year is the offensive line is just that much better. I think Christian Derrissaw, everybody talks about it, but he is pretty outstanding. I think we've actually put together an offensive line and the tight end position, which we were kind of lacking at earlier in the year, but I love that trade to get Hawkinson. I think those things have all helped, and it certainly doesn't hurt when you've got J.J. on one side, you've got Thielen on the other, who we haven't even talked about. They finally brought him into the game and started throwing him the ball a little bit late. I think it was about the fourth quarter. But you've got him, you've got K.J. as well. You look at all the talent with Dalvin. This is a team that's got a lot around Kirk, and it gives him the opportunity. And this year he's been able to seize that opportunity. And it's, it's something that I think does probably surprise a lot of people that he's been in that position. But 
I'm, I'm not as surprised because when I've been over there watching at practice or when I've had the opportunity to see those guys in, in the games themselves like you do, um, it just seems to me like oftentimes Kirk is really doing the right thing, throwing to the right person, and it, he's been doing that for a long time. But this year, it's, he's done it when it counts, and obviously that's something I think everybody is just very excited about. And Kirk said something after the game that really resonated, having seen him do this late in games many times as the Vikings mm-hmm. quarterback. I think there are uh, very reasonable critiques of Cousins, but uh, early in his time in Minnesota, it was, well, Cousins isn't clutch enough. And I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Like When, I, when I, I did a study on this, because I like to look into these things statistically, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find any evidence that he was like not clutch. Um, and we saw it last year where he came through on a number of games uh, at the very end. So it, mm-hmm. like everyone where he didn't, sort of everybody jumped on and said, oh, he's not clutch enough. I think that that's not really the right critique of, of Cousins' game. But what he said yesterday, he said that he's such a one-play-at-a-time guy, which I know sounds like a cliche, but I think he's actually wired that way, Pete, where if it yeah. is 33-0 or they're up 33 or if the game is tied late, I think that he has he just has horse blinders on to the point where he just gets the play call and runs the play call. And sometimes in, in past years, that's been a little bit to his detriment because you're like, hey, Kirk, you're down by two touchdowns. You can't check it down here. Or it's third and mm-hmm. 19. You can't check it down. But I think that his situational awareness has increased a little bit this year. Maybe goes along with confidence. Maybe his coach believing in him a little bit more. But I think that one play at a time, I think most people, when they're down by 33 points, would start to panic, would start to throw interceptions or, or, or press a little bit too much. And he just kept taking what they gave him. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the one thing that I think is different for sure this year, and I, th- I agree with you, I think last year actually, he came through in the clutch. It was our defense oftentimes that yep. had – they needed to stop. We had a minute and a half to go, and they would let somebody drive down for a field goal or a touchdown. But I think the important part this year has been when Kirk's had that opportunity, he's put us in position, and he's trusted the receivers. He's got the trust with J.J. There's no doubt about it. He'll put the ball when he's covered or not and give him the opportunity to come down with the football. That's something that takes a little bit of time, and I think we're seeing that start to – you know, the, the maturation process of everything there is happening right before our eyes because – he is not afraid to put that ball up in the air, especially for J.J. How much do you attribute this to Kevin O'Connell? Because I'm, I'm kind of of two minds on this. Like you said, he, he did it last year. Uh, he had, in 2017, he had four fourth-quarter comebacks for Washington. So it's like not the man's first rodeo. And even he has been a little bit hesitant to say, oh, yeah, well, it's a different coach. And at times, the offense has been frustrating with a lot of three and outs or you know, third mm-hmm. third quarters where it seemed like they uh, completely disappeared or, or, you know, the game where he gets sacked seven times. Like, you know, there have mm-hmm. been ups and downs throughout this season, and statistically it's not quite where he has been before. But I also think his ability to communicate with Kevin O'Connell throughout games, I, I think mm-hmm. there's something to that, having a head coach that not only has belief in you, but also can communicate directly to you in a way that Mike Zimmer was not interested in. Yeah, and as much as I did like Mike Zimmer, I got to know him pretty well. I'm sure you know him even better than I do. But I I would say this, uh, his relationship with the players was not anything like what we're seeing right now. And it doesn't mean they have to be buddies. But it does mean that you've got to have a great relationship and you you respect one another. And I think they know that that Kevin O'Connell respects those players. And 
I think that has been huge for the Vikings this year. You hear them all talking about that all the time, whether it's Patrick Peterson or, or, or Kirk or whoever. They just love this guy, and I think there's a lot to be said for players liking the coach. It doesn't mean it's that you have to have it, but it sure is a big, I think, a boost for the team, and it's something that has changed the team from last year to what we're seeing this year. Are you more confident or are you still a little bit concerned? I think there's a case for both, and the text line is kind of going back and forth. If you want to send us a Cities One talk and text, uh, 651-461-9226. We have Charlie's quick takes when we come back. And uh, if it's anything not about football, I'm just not, I'm just not talking. Not, not after what happened yesterday, Charlie. I don't care what you have. Uh, Matthew Collar in for Dave Schwartz. Pete Najarian here as well. We will be back on the huddle. Well, Bob Seeger here. We'll give it a second. Oh, there you go. There it is. Is that is that uh, Pete Najarian on acoustic guitar there? It could be. Pete, Pete, I, you and I don't know each other that well. I bet you play acoustic guitar. I do. Yeah. Oh, I thought you knew that. I thought I did yeah, not know that. I thought that was Pete just joke. strikes me as a guy that plays acoustic guitar. Yeah. You know, my, my, Andrew, our, our, right? our parents. Uh, yeah, banjo, you know, you name it. Our parents, uh, we were raised in a, a really interesting house, and we, we, were, uh, we were put in a position where we had to do things that were outside of the sports world just to be a little bit more rounded, and, and that was one of them for sure was music. So I, I'm an electric guitar guy, and uh, I, I grew up in the grunge era, so like Nirvana and Bush and Pearl Jam and all that stuff. But I got to tell you, my soul though is in is in the '80s metal. Were you ever like a Were you ever like a hair band guy? I mean, you got the hair. <laughs> well, I got the hair only on certain parts of my head. But in any case, <laughs> um, you know, uh, no, I was not. I, you know, I grew up in 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 the inner city and uh, went to Central High School in Minneapolis. And uh, you know, we had Prince and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and all these characters getting together with the music. And so that's. That's kind of what I, I grew up with. And then, you know, in all the various locker rooms, it, it, it tended to lean that direction a little bit. Although every once in a while, we would get some nice heavy metal. It wasn't necessarily the hair bands, but it was definitely some, some heavy metal that was pretty fun. So that was great. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I lean is uh, trying to be the shredder, which, of course, that's, you know, that's where we cross over with Prince because you can like him for a lot of things, including his unbelievable shredding. But uh, yeah. anyway, so uh, I know that uh, Charlie is waiting here with bated breath to give us his hot takes. Matthew Collar, Pete Najarian, Charlie producing. So l- let's go. Let's get your quick takes. Stop talking about acoustic guitars, Charlie. All right. Hand <laughs> on the trigger there. I was ready to go. Got it. All right. We'll start off. Uh, I don't know. I, I, we'll go with Matthew. Let's okay. let's go with Matthew here. Yeah. He said it's got to be football, so it is Has football. You know, you didn't say what type of football though. College football <laughs> bowl season starting yeah. out already. Your fever is high, and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one 
one perfect coworker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We've got some bowls going. So far, we've got UAB, Troy, Louisville, Oregon State, Fresno State, Southern Miss, BYU, and Boise State coming out of their bowl games victorious. My question for you, though... Are, are there just too many of these? No. Is it getting ridiculous? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I love bowl games, and I and I hope you're with me on this, Pete, because I was actually disappointed the Vikings were playing on a Saturday because I wanted to not move from my couch and just watch one bowl game after the next. I mean, just think about, like, the UAB game was nuts. Last night I get home, I'm writing about the game from last night. Guess what I'm watching? North Texas and Boise State. Game's crazy. Comes down to the final moment. You cannot give me enough bowl games. I don't care if they are sort of participation trophies and if there was no one in the Bahamas actually watching the game. I don't care. I just, I love football and I want to see as much of it as I could possibly get. So if you have the, the there's too many bowl games, like get off my lawn. <laughs> Well, Charlie, I'm, I'm going to give you this answer. So years ago, I used to work with ESPN doing color commentary. And the first bowl I got the opportunity to cover was the, you just said it, as a matter of fact, Matthew, the Nassau Bahama Bowl. Yes. And back then it was actually the Popeyes Nassau Bahama Bahamas Bowl. They have now 43 bowl games. The reason they all count and they're so fun, I think, is because you never know what might happen. Yes. In that game in 2014, it was December 24th, Christmas Eve, and it was Western Kentucky going against the Cooper Rush-led Central Michigan. Well, Western Kentucky was ahead 49-14. They had four unanswered touchdowns, and with one second remaining, Central Michigan just lobs up the Hail Mary. Three laterals later, the guy goes in the end zone. It's now 49-48, right? (laughs) With no time on the clock. They go for two. They don't make it, but it was one of the greatest <laughs> ends to a game I've ever seen in my life. See, that's, that's it. That's right there. Like, you will remember the great bowl games. You will not care, like, what was on the line necessarily. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Pete, your turn here. Uh, speaking of bowl <laughs> games, the Southern Miss uh, bowl victory saw their over Rice saw their running back carry the ball 21 times for 329 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he was also two for three in the passing game, 19 yards and a passing touchdown. Was this Frank Gore Jr.? Uh, well, yeah. You know, ruining the setup here. I was, oh, no. I was setting it up. That, that player's name, of course, is Frank Gore Jr., the son of, of Frank Gore. My question, Pete, do you remember the first player that started playing and you th- saw he was the son of a player that you loved watching and you were like, man, am I old? Is there like a first well, experience that you remember of that? 
Yeah, and shoot, I'm, it, I, it, I do, and I remember it well. Except for now, all of a sudden, I can't remember his his, his last name. But it was <laughs> it was it was one of the many linebackers from USC, and there's a whole Matthews. It was a uh, uh, Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews. Yeah. yeah. Clay Matthews. And unbelievable. And then the, the children of the Matthews brothers are, are still in the NFL. I just am amazed just to see the talent from that family. Dude, Clay Matthews, old Clay Matthews, needs to be yeah. in the Hall of Fame. He was one of the best players of all time, and he uh, has been overlooked. For me, mm-hmm. I think it was when uh, Joe Horn's kid was getting drafted. I was oh. like, come on. Like Joe Horn, that could not have been very long ago. I mean, Frank Gore is a hilarious one because, I mean, he just retired a couple of years ago uh, because he played for so long. I mean, I guess theoretically Tom Brady's kids could be like in their 10th year or something in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, when uh, – yeah, yeah, this this has only just started to happen to me, Pete, because I'm in my mid-30s, so you're just like getting those players that you're seeing every year drafted like, oh, that's that guy's kid, that's that guy's kid. Or even that the LSU team that had Justin Jefferson on it, like, oh, there's Randy Moss's son. You go, yep, yep, yep. The now, now the the people, the youths, are very far separated from me. So I guess that's it. Goes that way for everybody. It's oh always a matter of time. Mm-hmm. When does my back start hurting, Pete? <laughs> I'm there, so I can tell you that. <laughs> Although I didn't, I didn't play football. I was not good at football, so you probably had some uh, some back injuries with that. Anyway, Charlie, go ahead. All right, Matthew. Time for your question. The NFL allegedly sent out a reminder this week at the owners' meeting that teams have spent eight hundred million dollars on fired coaches and front office executives over the last five years. Oh. Do you think teams are giving coaches and front office personnel too much leeway, or I mean, not enough leeway to actually mm. build what they're doing? Or are they firing too quickly? And then my second follow-up question to that is: Do they get too much blame and credit? Um, I don't really care what NFL owners do with this because that's their money. Where I don't <laughs> like it is when colleges use the state's money and the tax money to pay college coaches to go away. I, that I that I don't love when you have like Nebraska paying Scott Frost to not work there, and soon it will be Matt Rule that they're paying not to work there as well. But <laughs> but look, if you're going to give Matt Rule a college coach a seven or eight year contract, whatever they gave them in Carolina, and you get burned because of that, that's your problem. I don't care about that. Do coaches get too much credit or blame? Yeah, of course they do. That's always going to be the thing forever. I mean. Look, Bill Belichick's still a good coach. He's squeezing a lot out of a a pretty mediocre roster. But Tom Brady would have that team in the Super Bowl, wouldn't he? I mean, back in his prime. So it's it's always the players and and not always uh, the coaches having that much influence. But, I mean, it's the biggest sport in the world, or at least uh, in the United States. So I'm not surprised that when a franchise is worth billions – that there's there's consequences when it doesn't go right and that a lot of money gets thrown around. Yeah, it, it's it's almost truly just a game for the multi-billionaires who yes. own these teams, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the Carolina uh, Panthers owner. He's a gentleman who, out of the financial world that I know very well, David Tepper, but I can tell you this. It's not going to hurt him if he if he owes a billion dollars. That's not even a that he's a decimal or two away from where he really is. So it doesn't really matter. But but those coaches do. Uh, I I think you know what you can't afford to lose for very long in the NFL because you start losing those seats and everything else. And so they've got to be they've got to make those decisions. But unfortunately, I think oftentimes they are picking the wrong coach for their team, yes. and that's that's where it goes wrong. And I think 
the owners who know nothing about football generally, that's where the big problem is, is they just are going out and listening to too many people that are also people that don't know football. That's the big problem. I completely agree, and I think that a lot of times they try to hire based on hype or what will get people excited, and they forget you have to play the games. Uh, that would be like the the Urban Meyer thing. I mean, you're hiring a big name, and you look around and go, uh, there's like 50 people who could be coaching this team, and you picked a guy who's never done this before. I mean, I, Matt Rule was more understandable from the outset than Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. uh, who had been a disgraced college coach. But still, like, I, I think that's a lot of times they get stars in their eyes. And, I mean, even like, – I don't know how it would have worked out differently, but even the Jim Harbaugh thing, you were kind of like, Wilfs, are you sure you want to really have – they made the right decision in Kevin O'Connell. I really think they hit a home run – with him from from day one, I thought it was the right call. But it's like, are you sure? So you could see how they would get wowed by a certain coach, and and then they end up having to pay for it later. But I cry no tears for the owners who are having to. There, you know what? I think I think Pete, they're making a few bucks on football. I, I've I, I've I think, started to figure this out. They're they're not only making it on football, but the value of those teams, especially yes. when you look at what Denver Broncos went for, uh, it gives you a little bit of an idea of what all these teams are really truly worth. I think the last thing I'd say on that topic is this: college coaching and, and professional coaching are completely different yes. animals, and it's really rare to make that crossover, especially going from the lower end up to the pre- the professional ranks. Um, especially, and you brought up Urban Meyer. I knew the day they hired him that that was not going to work. I just wondered how long it would take for them to figure it out, and it didn't take too long. Right, 100%. I mean, NFL is all about scheme and teaching your scheme and executing it, where college is all about recruiting. And now who can uh, you know tamper with players in the portal and so forth? <laughs> so, it's a, yeah, it's very different. Uh, any more takes, we got, one, we got one, one more. Quick okay. one also right. I'll throw in there. Speaking of, well, close your ears because it's not football. So speaking of the world's <laughs> most popular sport, France just tied up the World Cup final here 2-2 two to oh. two after Argentina mm-hmm. took a 2-0 two no lead, no lead. But, Pete, Last question. We'll do it quick. Olympic skier yeah. Michaela Schifrin win number seventy nine or seventy seven this morning. Five shy of the all time women's record by Lindsey Vaughn. Uh, you know we don't pay attention to these sports a lot when during the off you know season of the Olympics, Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics, whatever. So kind of a similar question from last week, Pete, with the uh, with the non revenue sports. What's your favorite Olympic sport? And don't cheat and give me hockey or basketball. You know what is your favorite you know Olympic type sports that you like to watch? Oh, I absolutely would have absolutely go to uh, some of the weightlifting and some of that uh, kind of thing. I, I just find that absolutely fascinating what people are able to do. It's absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, I actually don't even like the Olympic basketball setup. I don't like that at all. I loved it when it was amateurs. I don't like it with the pros. Uh, I like the long ski jumping because I can uh, just ooh. never get over how high and far they're going. <laughs> And I don't even really understand like how it works. I think you just go the farthest, right? But it's awesome. It's it's awesome to just watch that over and over and over and over again. I think for summer, it's probably like the sprinting. I mean, I'm I'm not yeah. unique in this. I'm not going off the. I'm not going whitewater rafting or something like it's when when they do the hundred yard dash. I mean, it's the greatest drama in sports. Yeah, it's it uh, ski flying, I think they call it now, because they oh. do go so far. Was that not politically correct to say jumping? <laughs> no, I, think, yeah. Yeah, you know. I do think it's called flying, though, now, because it's literally flying through the air. <laughs> all right. That's all I got for you guys. Uh, Matthew Collar, Pete Najeri, and uh, Charlie on the board. And with those great questions, uh, the huddle here. We've got some good texts 
about the belief in the Vikings based on yesterday. Do you believe more because they could come back against anyone or less because they got down 33 to the Colts? We will continue our conversation on the huddle when we return. (laughs) There you go. That one's for Nigerian. Uh, Matthew Collipin, Nigerian here on the huddle. Okay, back to what happened yesterday with the Vikings. The text line is kind of split, Pete. We got some people who are saying, hey, come on, after a game like that, you can't look at the negative side of it. It's it's history. It's the greatest comeback or the largest. I don't want to call it the greatest because, I mean, New England in the Super Bowl is probably the greatest. But the largest, the largest comeback (laughs) in history. But there are others saying, hey, even though they're huge fans – if you do mm-hmm. that against good teams, they won't let you come back from 33. And, you know, after watching the San Francisco 49ers play the other night, Pete, uh, yeah. I, I have to agree. I mean, there's there's still things that even Kevin O'Connell in some of his comments, he said, look, we deserve to be booed in the first half of that game. And, and there's still some things to clean up with this team. I tend to think that the first half was a lot of random stuff. You don't usually get punts blocked and pick sixes and fumbles and all those things um, that have usually gone for the Vikings. But I, I mean, I can't deny that, you know, if you're down 33 points to one of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, that, that does give you a little bit of pause. It does. Um, I, I would, I would counter that with this though. Everybody seems to absolutely be in love with the number one ranked only one lost team in all of football, Philadelphia Eagles. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it was just a few weeks ago they played the Colts, yeah. and they beat the Colts 17-16, to 16, and the only way they did that was they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter right. to be able to get that win. So I think everybody always has to keep something in perspective that every single team out there, as bad as they might look at times, they have an opportunity because these are professional football players. So as bad as they might be, and the Colts are definitely in that category, uh, I mean, if it, you know, you, you have to kind of keep that part, I think, in, in perspective. That being said, our defense has been a problem. I continue to say it's going to be an issue for us somewhere down the road because mm-hmm. when you look at Buffalo, their defense is pretty daggone good. Philadelphia, they're extremely good. Dallas Cowboys, they're unbelievable the way they get after the quarterback with the sacks. So there's there are teams out there that I think are more complete than we are right now, but you know what, uh, it doesn't mean it has to happen, but at some point it usually is a problem when your defense is as bad against the pass as our defense is right now. And, and generally just giving up points, giving up too many yards, all of that has been an issue, but we've been able to outscore people. And you know, I know you know this, Matthew, but going into the game yesterday, I think we had one point differential. Not that yes. this is the biggest deal in the world, but yes. between how many we've scored and how many we've given up. And that, that normally wouldn't mean much to me, except for when you get this deep into the season yep. and that's what those numbers look like. That's a little bit concerning, especially given what our record really is. That says a lot. Right. And there are three teams in the NFC that are like plus 100. So yeah. you, you'd rather be in their range. And I think, I mean, really, when you look at the accumulation of the last five games, you were this mm-hmm. close away from being two and three with a negative 40 differential in the last five games. So you want to be playing your best football down the stretch, especially since Mm -hmm. they got Darisaw back and and they're a pretty healthy overall team. I think they were missing one or two, two players yesterday, Bradbury Mm -hmm. and Dantzler, and it might be an upgrade to be missing Dantzler. So, (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. Like he has not fit in that defense really at all. 
mm-hmm. so you're you're mostly healthy and you're still playing these tight games and the way that Detroit beat them with their uh, you know offense kind of throwing all over. There are still concerns about way the way this team will compete in the playoffs. And we will talk about that more with former Viking scout Jeff Robinson when we return here. Matthew Collar, Pete Nigerian on the huddle. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.